All right, guys, welcome to another episode on the podcast. I have my co-host, Squints, my good friend, Chris, from Racer Safety Source. We're going to talk about some business, some life issues, and just see where the conversation goes. Hey, welcome, bro. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, excited to be you here. driving Absolutely. Here. No, luckily, it wasn't too bad traffic, you know, for L.A. What was it, 45 minutes? Uh, just a bit over an hour. Right. Not horrible. No. Change. Usually, the nice change from the 5 to the 101, 10 interchange always backs up there, and wherever else there's an intersection because people don't know how to merge here in LA. How was the rain down your way the last couple of days? Ooh. Ooh, it was heavy, um, but luckily, you know, no flood zone or anything like that. And luckily having a house with a yard, I don't have to turn the sprinklers on. Yeah, no, that helps for sure. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. you don't have to turn the sprinklers on for a good the minute. The trees probably. are good for a little bit. Yeah. My, my, my uh, whole backyard was pretty flooded and then the gutters weren't working well. So the water rolled back into the garage from where it was dumping oh, over the side. So oh, shit. That was kind of a, a little bit of a nightmare, but I put a fan on it and we're, we're yeah. getting dry again. Remember that gun range I always go to? Yeah, it's gone. House is gone, it's all gone. Really? Interesting, it's where's hum- that? Uh, Jay, where's Mike? Was this the one up in Newhall? Santa Paula? Yeah, it's like a little flood zone there, huh? It just yeah. took out 55 acres. Jeez. Dude, like his Can-Am washed away, his Everything. Humvees. Just done, huh? He had a helicopter sitting there, gone. No. <sighs> Hope you had insurance on all this stuff. I don't know if they cover that kind Acts of thing. Acts of God. I know like California has like separate like yeah, earthquake like insurance earthquake, you and have stuff. Have separate. And... and I know where my parents live up in Oregon, they have to have uh, a separate flood insurance flood policy. Because it, it floods up there. Yeah, because they live on yeah. a river basin. I was just reading about this great West Coast flood in like 1856 or something. But it rained for 30 days straight, oh, Nevada, Oregon, and California. And I guess like there was pictures of like them in like main town Sacramento, like floating canoes because it flooded everything. It merged the three major rivers oh, shit. and just became like a massive river all the way down from Oregon through oh, Nevada, boy. through California. That's Pretty a lot wild of water. stats. That's yeah. a ton of water. I mean, do you see the people surfing in the streets in San Francisco? Yeah, it was yeah. wild. And then there's another guy that was in a... Um, like a creekside street basin uh-huh. on a long, like on a long paddleboard, just, just he was just rolling <laughs> down the creek. He come to like a storm drain, just lay flat on the board and go underneath the storm drain to the next side. I told my wife because I just got her a rower, so I was like, "Well, you're getting prepared for when you need to, <laughs> when you need to hit the grocery store now on the boat." Luckily, you live on a hill, so you don't have to worry about like the water staying there. Yeah, I mean, I thought that. I mean, you got the waterfall. It ended up going in my my garage somehow. But off the roof and then back in. And it, and it, I guess it like double slants. So if it goes this way, but it falls this way and then rolls that way, it was terrible. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm just happy I was able to get the Christmas lights down this weekend before the rain came. Yeah, I did a uh, I did all that early, like day after Christmas. I was taking off all the tree lights, taking the tree out. It was out in the backyard. <laughs> I was ready. You're like, I'm done. I hit it early with the tree, and then it died early, too. So I was like, this thing's out of here. I just want this done. I'm surprised yeah. more trees didn't fall down. There was one by uh, Chance's school when I dropped them off this morning. <laughs> it was blocking, like, the whole street. It had it had just older one, just fell, bro. Well, I heard it fell like, right on Alexis. There's, like, three or four canyon roads in Malibu that were shut down, too, because of three the landslide. All of them, minus Canaan and, like... You've seen the sinkhole with the car in it. No, I didn't see that. Uh, I saw that. It's, like, 40, 40 it foot like deep. Box Canyon, bro, like, up that way. And thus the took two cars took two cars down with it. It was forty bad. feet deep. Yeah, they were the cars just over with the airbags popped. Like, Wasn't there? I think they were said they in it. There's yeah, somebody in it. Car, yeah. There's a mom and daughter somebody in one of the cars. Was stuck, was stuck in the hole. Yeah. How do you get it's out? Pretty of gnarly. Them? They brought I mean, they in had, a big backhoe. Yeah, they, yeah they, they had to come and like they had to dig out around them to make sure that they were safe to even move them because it was unstable. Yeah. Pretty gnarly. Oh, That's so they a, were there for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary, bro. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. Yeah, imagine, imagine if back you don't before like cell phone? modern technology. If you got caught in or a like, like no that, SOS or, button, yeah, you're done, dude. Yeah. Well, it's just like you know, with your guys' whole first episode talking about Halloween and having walkie-talkies. What are you going to do when the cellular service goes? And yeah, walkie-talkies are great, dude. Walkie-talkies. After we're... that, I bought a couple. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was just it's a pain in that. Yeah, it's a nightmare, and you can't find nobody over there. It's dark. No, even like it doesn't matter what community you're in. They're no. usually all dark. Yeah. Like reception spotty sometimes because there's so many people. Like even when you're in the airport, your cell phone doesn't really work. No, yeah, we were uh, we almost lost chance. He walked away from us while we were. Yeah, I need and to I panicked. A, need to put a GPS beacon. Yeah, on you're gonna have to put a little <laughs> air tag on him. All black. Yeah, he was blacked out. <laughs> we should have got him the 
the other light up ones we saw. Oh yeah. The ones that make you look like stick figures. Pretty yeah, much, pretty but at least you know. There. There's my kid. <laughs> yeah. The bright one. The, the stick one. figure running from me. Give him a random ass color. Yeah. So uh So what made you uh get into safety supplies, Chris? Um, well growing up I've always had a passion for racing. You know, whether it's cars or motorcycles and you know, my family has a tire shop in Santa Monica that you know, you grow up at and you get abused by your uncle and then you move you move away, <laughs> you move back. But I've always just been a bit fan of like going to IndyCar races and whatnot. When I moved back to LA in the early 2000s, was able to do some racing and track days and stuff like that uh, while working with the family business. Um, got out of that because sometimes working with family is not always the easiest. No, never. <laughs> sometimes it's better to like, you know, keep your distance from them and just like have that family personal relationship than uh, going in and trying to have that personal relationship and business relationship at the same time. Yeah, it's tough. It's a, it's a, it's it's a balance, you know. Absolutely. And so, I feel like with family, it's almost like uh, more is expected. Yeah. You know what I mean? Than if they would treat a regular uh, employee. More is expected. The they feel a little bit more like I could be lax on how I, uh, you know, my please, thank yous, and appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're just not as nice. Like, you get the blunt end of it, and then you go home or see them at family things, and it's just awkward. Exactly. So, um, you know, so I got out of that. Did some other jobs for a little bit got a job doing uh working for a safety manufacturer getting in you know manufacturing the suits helmets and stuff like that for a few years uh left there in 2018 2019 kind of just did my own thing for a little bit trying to figure out what to do and had people just call me hey i need this or i need that can you get me this or who do i talk to for this and just finally had somebody say why are you doing this for everybody else just do your own thing start your own store so that's what I did. Was it a, it's always a little nerve wracking, um, taking things on by yourself. Was there some, some, Oh, there is. And there's always going to be, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just the fact of life when your sole income is based on your performance. Yeah. So it makes you work harder. Um, makes you look at things a little bit different, but it also gives you that greater sense of pride. Like, Hey, this is mine. This is what I built. This is what I did. Whether you have an investor, you know, partners here or there, it's still your baby. It's still your thing. I know that sometimes people like question something and I get real defensive about it. Like, don't say that there's this work ethic missing or that because you're still trying to find, I'm still trying to find that balance of being a dad, a husband, and a business owner all in one. It's a lot. It, it's it's not a lot. easy by any means. And especially when the only thing in the world you can't get back is time. Mm-hmm. You know, tomorrow's yeah. never promised. Tomorrow's never promised. Like you went through your share of health issues for a little oh, while. Oh yeah, in 2017, I was having these seizure-like symptoms that were caused by migraines. Interesting. And was 10 months disability. Um, I mean, the joy was I, the best part was you know the weight loss. I ended up looking like a twig again. Uh-huh. But um, what was the? Did they figure out the root cause? They never found the root cause. One of the main issues was my ammonia levels in my body were. so significantly high Interesting. where you're supposed to have like a rating of 65 or 80 level of ammonia in your body mine was rating out between 260 and 280 oh, wow. so how'd they so correct toxicity. that did you like donate blood did no you... i had to drink the stuff that it tasted um almost like had a caramel flavor to it interesting but it just cleans you out neutralizes it it neutralizes it it cleans out like all the toxins in your body everything like that purge it out yeah was it like a food toxicity or do you think that there was something uh, external causing it or don't know um because at the time i was getting up in the morning and i was going on like 20 to 25 mile bike rides before i go to work so you're thinking that you're you're fit and exactly and then all of a sudden from sucking all the exhaust fumes from the (laughs) no from from riding on the bike in the city oh yeah you don't think about it, but these bicycle riders are literally eating exhaust. Yeah. Unless, bad. unless you're up in the canyons. Even then, I mean, it's, it's but you, yeah. cars. I mean, I was where I live, you know, I have a riverbed and stuff like that. So you think you're far enough away from exhaust Pollution. fumes and whatnot, yeah. but you're not, you know, you got freeways running along the side of you and everything like that. But like you said, you never know tomorrow's never promised. And never, there's a guy that used to work at, um, our family shop when I was younger and then I ran into him you know 15 years later 
then I, you know, lost touch with him because he moved from working, you know, in the Santa Monica area, moved back up to like the Valencia area where he lived. And I was talking to a friend of his. I'm like, hey, I haven't seen Bruce in a while. How's he going? Oh, Bruce passed away three months ago. Wow. Like, what happened? He goes, oh, him and his kids were getting ready to go dirt bike riding, you know, like eight months ago. And he fell down and had like this knee issue. So they thought he did like damage to his knee. They ran all these tests like, oh, you got bone cancer. Oh, shit. And so they're like, you know, it was in the lower part of his leg. They're like, we're going to have to amputate at, you know, at the knee to try to get rid of the cancer. It hasn't spread or they haven't seen anything like that. Well, after they amputated around his knee, they found out that it had spread through his system. So, like, unfortunately, you know, you got six months to live. Unfortunately, it was three months and then he passed away. But this is a guy that was you know in the gym three four times a month never drank alcohol never smoked a cigarette always was like the chicken and vegetables rice type of guy and just bam yeah nature uh nature can be cruel yeah it's Um, crazy how many people are just getting sick these days yeah and i mean obviously he's leading a life that he feels like is uh is fit exactly and in good health and we really don't know that you know when our expiration date is no and then it's like you have people like my great uncle avery who you know was friends with a lot of the rat pack guys was friends with reagan and it's just constant cigarettes and cigars and alcohol lived till he was 90s dude 100 and i think he was 101 when he finally passed away (laughs) it's very interesting the, the the stress factors and things like that there was a lady i seen that that swore by drinking dr pepper like three times a day I she saw lived that. Into her hundreds too, as well. Dude, my grandma seen smoked a, a pack a day. She lived till eighty-eight. Yeah, I mean, uh, those wartime, um, the wartime generations, the generations yeah. in, that were born in the early nineteen hundreds that like went through World War One and the Depression and then World War Two. They were they were tough as nails, bro. Look at George Burns. I, I've seen an old Johnny Carson footage of him talking about smoking. He was in his late nineties during this interview and he was like yeah i smoked 10 15 cigars a day probably oh yeah drink still <laughs> martinis and and whatever else you, you know, know. i mean those, those were the great those were the best shows is like you watch johnny carson come out with a cigarette and the manhattan are old-fashioned on set yeah. and they're just like having a grand old time and live into their late 80s early 90s and yeah um i think that uh, a lot of the modern stress factors that we see are just the the speed of things in this rat race that we're all in and the, the feeling of, you know, I think that they had, although they were hard workers and they seen a lot of hardship through, you know, diplomatic and political issues yeah. of the time, I think that they had like, there was a little more sense of rhythm then. And like, you know, you had like a little more, you know, people still had leisure time and companies, a guy could work he could drive a truck for a potato chip company and support a family and take his kids on family vacation. Be able to buy a house. And, buy a house. Yeah. You know, my grandfather was one of them. He had 10 kids all a year apart. Last two were twins. This is my dad's father, Chauncey. And, uh, and uh, he drove a potato chip route for his brother, his oldest brother, who had the Snyder's chip company that he ended up selling. But he drove that route for years. And that was his job. He, he drove a chip route to these markets. He raised this family, and every year he took them to uh, Disney World in Orlando from Pittsburgh. All of these kids. All 10. Yeah, all 10, as they were growing <laughs> up. Yeah, crazy. Like, yeah. Things that you wouldn't think of. I he, mean, drove I, them, he drove them in a Volkswagen station wagon and never made a sound about it. Just that was that, was that deal. You know? I mean, I just think of Disney World prices now. Yeah. Where it's like $175 a ticket for a day. That's for yeah. a single park. That's for a single park, yeah. one day. That's yeah, a twenty. That's a twenty k trip for a family of ten now. Yeah, dude, you know it's I mean? crazy seeing how many people are at Disneyland, and like if you get a park hopper, it's two fifty a head. Yeah, parking's thirty bucks. Yeah. It's usually a family of four, so you're out a grand and thirty bucks by the time you've walked, walked in, in the, the front door. And imagine you're traveling there from somewhere else. Yeah, and you guys plan on staying or doing this. It's a it's hotel a very, expenses, airfare, gas. Yeah. That wasn't. I mean, the things that they were able to do with with what they what they had was insane. Insane, yeah. The the inflation rate has obviously changed things to where it, you don't really yeah. have that that option as much we're, anymore. We were talking about this with groceries the other day. Like you walk in and a hundred bucks gets you maybe Nothing. two bags if you're lucky. 
Yeah, not much. I mean, our family of four, sometimes it's just cheaper to go eat out. At this point, it's flip-flopped around. Yeah, it's cheaper to go eat out yeah. at a restaurant than it is go grocery shopping. Cooking and cleaning and doing everything else. Like yeah. Sunday, we usually barbecue and stuff like that. So I went and got carne asada, some chicken, veggies, um, like a case of like, you know, Topo Chico water and a couple cases of Coke just to have for the week. And my bill was 120 bucks. That was for basically one meal and some beverages. Yep. Yeah, Sean was telling me that it, they just cooked lomo saltado, which is like yeah, steak the, and the and Peruvian rice. with the yeah, French fries. But uh, the, Sylvia made the it. Yeah, um, <laughs> Sylvia made it, and he said that just for the family, it was one hundred and twenty dollars a meat. And so, they have, yeah. you know, they have, they have a big family, but still, it's like not. I mean, egg prices now are you know six to eight bucks for a dozen eggs. Dude, farmers market eggs are fifteen bucks for a dozen. Are they? Huh. Are they orange? Yeah. They're real though. <laughs> They're the real ones. Like they're still poop they, on the outside. Are, are they the ones that they say don't refrigerate? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you don't refrigerate them. Once yeah. you refrigerate them, they have an expiration date. Yeah. You can leave she's, them out for months. She's like, you can leave them out for two months, no problem. Yeah. yeah. So our, my parents live up outside of uh, Portland, Oregon. You know, they have 10 acres and farms next to them. And, you know, the neighbors come and drop off a dozen eggs here, there, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And my mom's like, yeah, the eggs stay on our counter for two months. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to do anything to them. It's interesting. No. Well, it's funny. Like, when I go to Billy's house in Mexico, the eggs are on the counter. I'm like, that's not normal. But in those countries... It actually it, is normal. Yeah. That's We've made thing. it weird. We've been conditioned yeah. to, to flash well, frozen food that has to be refrigerated or it goes bad. But yeah. I mean, just look at your, you know, a lot of the Europeans, like, you know, Italy, eating nothing but, like, pasta and meat and stuff like that. And, and they're, they're, still, they're tiny. Yeah. There's, there's not really an they obesity problem out there. They, uh, they have a lot of leisure time. Yeah, um, that's true. They have siesta. They yeah, have... and they uh, take the whole month of August off. Take three weeks off in December. Yeah, they they, <laughs> they, they have a, they definitely have a better flow to life of like, you know, you're not just working to live, but you're living you're living to work kind of deal, you know, or yeah, living those... is that the opposite? Yeah, you're you're working to live, not so... live to work, and it's not working to yeah. Well, you know, it's one of the... yeah, we know, <laughs> we know what you mean. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's crazy just because, you know, here also I find a lot of people have um, the ability that, oh, I want this, but I don't feel like I should have to pay for it. I feel like I deserve to live in Santa Monica. I deserve to live in the Pacific Palisades, but I can't live there for working at McDonald's. Yeah. I can't live there working as a checker at a grocery store, but I deserve to because I work in this area. Yeah, yeah it's a, it doesn't work that way, but... <laughs> it's a tough balance in Los Angeles, unfortunately, because it's uh, just one of the most desired places to live on Earth, you know? It and is. Underhoused and uh, underbuilt and developed, yeah. and uh, there's just a never-ending flow of people trying to come. And I think, too, that, you know, I was just back in Indianapolis in December walking through downtown Indy. Beautiful day. Oh, it's gorgeous. Like it. yeah. It's the streets are clean. I was in the winter. It was cold. It was cold <laughs> as ice. Oh yeah, because I was I was back there for the PRI show, which yeah. is the racing industry uh, trade show. But it's like I'd walk from my hotel at night. And, oh, it's, yeah, it's nice. You know, no issues. You know, yeah. of course, you're going to always have homelessness wherever you are. Mm -hmm. But it just seems like here it's so well embraced because everyone has to be so protective of them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well what are my, you know, why am I having to worry about stuff being stolen from my house or why can't we figure out a way to actually balance it where they can be taken care of? I think people have too much time to think about other people's issues instead of worrying about what they need to do themselves. Valid point. Yeah. It's a, unfortunately at this point, it's a, it's, mm -hmm. it's a issue that's gotten so big. It's, it's I feel like they're, just have no way to tackle it at this moment, you know? They've obviously been trying to make some policy changes to try to do some things, but people are here now and obviously displaced. And there is a lot of programs in place and they find like, a lot of times people don't want to participate yeah. in these programs or follow the rules that they have to for the housing that is there, you know? And a lot of these guys are just kind of nomads and kind of want to live life on their own terms type of deal, you know? Which is, I can, Understandable. It's understandable, but at the same time, there needs to be, you know, protection rights for the business owners and the homeowners in that yeah, area, Yeah, I don't too. think you should be, you know, 
stepping out of a ten million dollar brownstone in San Francisco and and like stepping on human stepping over people <laughs> and or just the you know the drug use and this yeah. and that. Yeah. It, it, it's a it's a shame. It's made a city like San Francisco, which is so small that you can't hide anything. And no, it's absolutely. like you can, you can spread it out around a little bit and yeah. you don't as notice it. I mean, it's there, obviously, but it's not as as bad. It's gotten worse. But San Francisco's like, just I don't everywhere. even stop in the city anymore when I'm there. And I used to love to just drive in, go to the park, smoke a joint, go eat. If I was just traveling through, I would just stop by. Now yeah. it's like a four hour detour and I don't even get out of the car type of deal where I'm like, damn, that was. I shouldn't have went over the bridge, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you're like, I it's should It's a shame because, you know, it was such a fun, um, you know, beautiful, active West Coast epicenter of culture, you know? Yeah, I mean, it still could be because there's lots of great stuff there. There's a lot of history there. Oh, but there it's still just, is. It just is... Uh, it's just not safe. Yeah. When the cops look at you, like, they don't really have an answer for it. And no. where they're scared to do their job fully in certain senses because it's it's always shame on them too and they're just trying to like nobody wants to show up to that call and that's what they're getting bombarded with yeah. with like if you go to like MacArthur Park in LA right now and you look around and it looks like fucking zombie land like literally you know and it's dude have you been like down by the wholesale district in downtown lately yeah I mean it's all horrible. of downtown's like that MacArthur Park's bad bad bro and it's like there is no answer for it it's just chaos yeah and it's gotten to a point where like what what you know I mean like, I wouldn't send Michelle and the baby down there. I don't want to go down there, bro. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm like, <laughs> it's just not something I want to have to worry about. No. You know? like, my mom invited me to dinner down there tonight, and I'm like, you want me to go where? Yeah. Uh, can we pick something like a yeah, little it's, closer? It's, it's, uh, <laughs> want to do Hollywood? It's a little safer. It's rough. Let's transition. Let's, uh, let's talk about starting a business during COVID, because I know that's what you undertook. And, yeah. And so. that's a rough... A rough uh, I actually kind of did it the lazy way. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, you know what? I just need to start adding stuff online. So I just got a website and started putting product on the website and just started, you know, reaching out to customers and stuff like, hey, I'm here. This is what you need. If you need it, let me know. There's a website. Here's my email or just give me a call. Um, so that way I can just kind of use the power of social media to help promote it or. Um, not really. Uh, because you, know, you do know a lot of people. I do know a lot of people. My problem is with social media is I don't take the time to, you know, post pictures, reach out to people, smile. It's a lot. It's, it's, a, it's, it's another job. It's a whole other job. It, it really is. Yeah. And, you know, I've gotten a little bit better with it, trying to, you know, balance that. But at the same time, it's like I'd rather shoot an email, give a call. Hey, what's going on? I haven't talked to you in a while. Um, if you need anything, let me know. But there's so many people that do rely on social media now that it's just like looking out and say, okay, um, you know, oh, there's this new water brand. So I'll use social media to look up that water brand or I'll look at social media for this. So as I'm trying to figure out necessarily what to post and how to market it better, um, you know, I'm slowly getting there. But being old as I am, it's just one of those new things. I mean, social media started with me around MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me it was one of your kids, dude. Even my kids aren't really, like, big on social media. Well, that's oh, not a bad thing. Yeah, like, that's actually a good the, thing. The 20, <laughs> like, I think the older one who's turning 21 this year, he maybe posted, like, two things on Facebook and maybe uh, five or six things on Instagram, but... Uh, we're just going to have to poach you a kid from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, I've been working with some um, some people that have been helping out and, you know, helping send pictures and posts and stuff like that, but it's just trying to find that right rhythm and getting stuff posted, like, where people want to contact you for that. Yeah, I think um, for drumming up new business on social, tagging is going to be really big, and then just trying to get on, and on social pages and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. It's always good to bounce back and forth. You know, and really for the products I sell, of like the racing helmets, racing gloves, suits, stuff like that, a lot of the product is people want to touch it. They want to feel yeah, it. Um, I get it. You know, even... I want to touch it and feel it. You know, it's even with... Yeah. Shop. Even with, like, clothes and stuff like that, unless if I've bought something before... It's difficult. I will rarely go out online and say, okay, I'm going to buy those pairs of jeans, I'm going to buy this sweatshirt, I'm going to buy this shirt. Yeah. Because I'm particular how I want my clothes to feel, fit, feel, yeah, you know, look, wear... Um, I think really the only thing that I've 
bought a ton online have been just my shoe collection. I've simmered down from the 375 I used to have down to like, I'm like at 105 now. Nice. So. Yeah, it's a lot. I was at like the box. I was at like 150 during COVID and then SBs like skyrocketed through the roof. So, so I just sold them all. Unloaded. Good. Quick 20 grand, you know? See, it's like I refuse to pay resale and I refuse to resell my shoes. Like <laughs> I actually will wear my shoes. Yeah. You know, I, wear, I, I wear them too. I, it's like I had my Jordan 3 cements on this morning when I took the little one to school. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. Uh, I want to wear them. I've always wanted to wear them. Uh, I was into Jordans when I was younger and I had that little phase pretty early on um i wish i would have got more into it as it became a thing but yeah. i transitioned into different shoes and vans and converse and different stuff every time now i see not, you're always wearing converse yeah it's a just a, a are pf flyers considered converse as well no no pf flyers was owned by new balance and then the original family just recently bought them back and yeah. started doing them again um but uh pf flyers are a little bit they're actually a better shoe for me to wear. They're wider and they are built a little bit better than I actually like took Converse over. I actually like the um, the material better on the overlays on yeah. the PF Flyers than I do the Converse. They're 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 a higher end shoe. I, I mean, I do. I'm not gonna lie. I did buy the Sandlot Fifty. You know, the Sandlot yeah. PF Those Flyers shoes, remakes. You know? Yeah, they're <laughs> just awesome. because that was such an iconic movie when I was a kid. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love do those Do they shoes. have more cushion in them than Converse? They do. They do. Because yeah. every time I put on Converse, they have a different sole. I'm good yeah. for like 10 minutes. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Not only that, but PFs actually have a little bit of an arch support inside of them yeah, too, where do. Converse has none. Got it. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, New Balance did a good job with them and yeah. redesigned the shoe, and it was a much better design. And once Nike got Converse, even though the price has gone up, the quality of it is still. Yeah. It's still Converse. The thing about Converse, about the All Star, is, is that that silhouette. It's just, you know, when, when you design something that's perfect. Don't want to change it. There's yeah. no canvas shoe that's like that. It's like the perfect silhouette with jeans for style. It just, it just, everything about it just falls right, you know? It's one of those things. So I end up, like, just it's out like of a, convenience. That's what I want to go to. These are Gore-Tex Converse because it's been raining. These are, like, real tree Gore-Tex. Is, is that made by Nike or... These are made by Nike, yeah. I got these at the Converse outlet in Palm Springs, but uh, these are cool because they're Gore-Tex and like, they're You're not gonna get water in your shoe. They don't get rained, yeah. It's not like and they're still wear. not like I'm wearing boots. It still feels like I'm wearing a lighter sneaker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like, I, I mean, I've been wearing work boots a lot too nowadays. Yeah, it just depends. Yeah. Well, it's like the resurgence of the, like, the red wing boots. It's yeah, like, really super popular. On. Yeah, I get like lost in mazes on Instagram looking at like Japanese selvage denim and red wing pages. Oh, the they like, lay denim. out the outfits and shit. And I just, I follow everyone I can because I just love looking at these guys. Like, uh, I'm just a big fan of Japanese fashion and Japanese culture in general. So like, I just love the way they, they go about things. It, it's pretty cool. They do it different. Yeah, you know, they take classic american cues and they just make them they just they just go so far into these niches that they just do it so well you know oh yeah yeah um you want to talk a little bit about uh your company yeah. um and some of the struggles and you know the absolutely. headaches personally and all that good stuff yeah let me just send i got send the track or fedex account number to my guy that's mm -hmm. shipping some stuff out here real quick Had one of those legendaries for breakfast. Yeah, how was it? Not too shabby. Yeah. Have you had one since? No. You forgot they were here. Huh? You forgot they were here. What'd you have for breakfast? One of those uh, pastry protein things. Yeah. I mean, right now, like, the big thing with fitness and stuff like that is if you could get... Um, brands like that to come aboard and work with you that would be huge i mean especially with you know your following and stuff like that because it's easy it's mail order it's something like it's quick and easy yeah no we're friends with uh one of the marketing guys so he dropped off a whole case last time oh nice and you talk to that marketing guy about giving you some money for running the trophy truck <laughs> i don't think that's his wheelhouse that would be somebody else this dude ain't <laughs> never gonna run that trophy truck again yeah, Chris might make it happen. I, I've been pushing to get it going. Mine? Huh. Got it. All right, so, so starting racer safety source, the headaches behind source. it, personal um, issues. Yeah, I mean, really the biggest headache with uh, 
starting the business is, you know, you're starting in COVID. So a lot of these companies manufacturing shut down for a year. Um, not only did the manufacturing shut down for the manufacturing, the products, but the manufacturing of the actual materials for the product shut down. So you got that two way. Yeah. We experienced that with getting my stuff. Oh yeah, exactly. And then not only that, but then you have just the delays. You're the small fish in the totem pole now, or the small fish in the pond. And so it's like all these bigger companies that have these bigger orders, you know, have the back orders to fill first. So you're trying to fill in here and there where you can. Uh, the biggest difference too is that I started with every spare dollar I had. So any money that I had, you know, whether it's from stocks, cryptocurrency, savings, whatever, I just pulled out and did what I can to get it all started and going and went from there. Now it's finally catching up with product. Now it's just trying to find that balance between home life, family life and work. Are you on the road a lot with this? Uh, I am. I, cause you know, where you're talking about social media and getting guys to come in and buy stuff or buy stuff on social media, you know, people want to touch it. So I like to go to tracks. I, you know, work with the Porsche owners club at their track events that they usually have at Willow and, you know, along the West coast here, uh, official safety partner at Laguna Seca. So I'm at Laguna Seca for their big major events, IndyCar, IMSA, the Rolex reunion. You're with, driving there or flying there? I'm driving there with, you know, Sprinter van filled with products, setting up booths for, you know, two weeks, week at a time. And a lot of that's for guys that come up and be like, oh shit, I forgot a pair of gloves. Oh shit, I need this. And then you have the looky lose like, hey, I'm, you know, trying to get into, you know, HPD stuff. I need a helmet or where do I start? Um, my main thing is I want to educate the customer more than just take their money. Yeah, because well, this is life saving. Yeah. Well, it, not only is that, but you may have, you know, for example, your budget may like, look, I have a piece of shit car that I just stripped everything out of. It's my first track car. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm putting everything I can. I have a, you know, $5,000 budget for my car safety and my own personal safety to get, be able to get on truck track where Brian can come and say, look, I have an open checkbook get me whatever I need. I don't care how much it costs, this, that. Well, I'm going to come to you and be like, okay, well, what's your budget? Okay. Well, if you break it down here, this is where we could save you some money because you don't need this, you know, as high as like what this, um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to necessarily say you need a FIA 8860 helmet because you're not racing IndyCar. You're not racing formula one, but I'm going to try to get you the best helmet for the price that you can because of the fact that one thing you can't get back is a head injury. Yeah. You can't get back if you have a neck injury. You know, those are very devastating injuries. So I want you to be as safe as you can. If you come to me and say, my budget is $200 for a helmet, I'm gonna discuss and find out why you're setting your budget at $200. Yeah. But I'm also gonna work with you to see, can we get that up to $500 or even maybe $600? You're gonna get a better quality helmet because of how it's built how they design it and what they do, you know, is this helmet going to protect you? Yes. But there's a way that they built it. That's allowing it to be $200 versus $600 versus a thousand dollars versus $2,000 versus $5,000. You get what you pay for in that sense. You really do where it's like, you know what? You don't brand thing. It's technology. Exactly. You don't need to come in and necessarily spend $240 on a pair of racing gloves. Yeah. You know, $150 pair, is going to suffice you just Fire fine for starting out. Thing, yeah. It's got the same rating. It's just, it's going to fit a little bit differently. You know, I want you to be comfortable, but it I'm just not, won't be as pretty. It just, you just won't be as pretty. Exactly. But you're in the car, so it shouldn't matter. Anyway. Well, but everybody, everybody has, everybody has yeah, their everybody GoPro. Has everybody has their in-car camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you brought up like an interesting point the other day. I thought, you know, wearing the Nomex just helped with the sweat, but you said it buys me double the time. Yeah. It, fire I, protection. Yeah. People don't understand really what goes on and how much Nomex really does protect. And it's not necessarily fire as it is heat. Yeah, they said you wear like a shirt with a logo on it. Plan on that being your tattoo for the rest of your life. Exactly. So like the synthetic material that you get in like the Nike Dry Fit, the Under Armors, you know, the Adidas Climate Cool, that melts with heat and it melts onto your skin. So, you know, you may not have fire penetrating through your suit, but your suit's still getting hot. But your suit's still getting hot, so that's going to melt. 
But the other nice thing too is that wearing the underwear not only pretty much doubles your time inside the car during that incident, but while you're using it, it's pulling sweat away from your body. It's helping you stay cool. Can it's not still, allowing you to overheat. Can you still wear your catheter? If you really must. Dude, in the, I mean, trof- in the trophy truck, you kind of have to. Dude. You don't I'm have not- to. I mean, you can be a real man and just, you know, go on the seat. I'm not peeing my pants, dude. Not doing it. <laughs> so they put a catheter in and it just... No, it's a condom that you kind of have to duct tape at the base because yeah. sweat, water, like you don't want it slipping off. And then you run the hose down your leg. You flip it, it to that the car. and you tape it to the side and of you your take a piss left shoe and then you just put it by the door. Some when you gnarly go. shit. Dude. Where the where the real men just go in their seats, you know? Some guys do pee their seats. Yeah. Because the longest I've been in the car straight is 10 hours. Wow. That's Under long. like high driving conditions. Yeah. Like yeah. hauling ass. Hauling ass. In the desert. In the desert, can't see At shit. At any moment, yeah, yeah. anything could happen. And it's like, dude, you haven't realized it, but when you strap down a seatbelt five ways, it's actually really hard to pee. Yeah. So you're like trying to like loosen one of them and not kill yourself at the same time. So in the water, wearing a wetsuit, you won't do it? That's different. How? Why? That keeps you warm. (laughs) I don't want to sit in my... Yeah, but I mean like driving the... Like say you're driving the 25 hours at Thunder Hill. December, Northern California, cold, rainy. So they drive 25 hours straight. Just pitting, or, or do they yeah, switch drivers? Yeah, they they'll do driver switches. Yeah. Um, I know one guy drove like 14 yeah. of the 25 hours wow. because he had drivers that got sick and That's you know couldn't minute. drive. Yeah, dude, holding it past like three and a half when you're awake ain't that easy. What, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I've never done that. But like when you're doing a road trip, like I when, mean, when I'm a road trip, I like to stop. But yeah, I get it. I mean, I guess and it really depends. When you're hungry, you got to figure out how to like shove it down your helmet into your mouth. I probably wouldn't eat. I would probably just. Oh no, you're, you got to eat. You're burning calories. You're getting really? hungry. Yeah. So like those, I don't know if Cliff still makes them the shot blocks. Yeah. I would just be like jamming those in because they got caffeine in them too. Yeah. And then your helmet, you just hit the button and water. But at the pit stops, they usually retop you off. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty gnarly uh, undertaking. I don't really know much about it, so I haven't really seen it. But that's that's it. Time that's to take very high, uh, uh, very high, you know. Well, I mean, not even just like Baja, but I've been taking my son to K one speed. You know, he's eight, so he's like getting into that whole thing. And I've just been like setting my heart monitor on my Apple Watch. Yeah. And just watching the heart rate go up, just driving those go karts around for twelve laps. Interesting. It's a workout. Yeah, it's a workout. Yeah. Oh, dude, twenty minutes. Of t- I mean, remember when Jay and I first started doing the shifter carts? If I lasted eight minutes, I was shocked. Oh yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's hard, and it's it, it, and there's not like the seat holds you, but yeah, it's all it's just using course, your core, yeah, everything, your core, everything. Yeah. And then you see these the race car drivers are in amazing shape. Most of them. It's not like it used to be where they're no. like it's sloppy, but I will smoking cigarettes. Beer, smoking and I will say the Baja guys are a little bigger. The Baja guys are a little bit bigger. The NASCAR guys are finally getting down into like the Formula One shape and Formula One size. Um, I mean, because you had even the Indy car. I mean, look at you had Nigel Mansell, who is six foot three, That's a big going boy. from Formula One to Indy car. Um, Tony Stewart wasn't always, you know, Mister Slim. Mm-mm. Uh, Robbie Gordon wasn't always Mr. Slim. I mean, uh, guys, these guys are in good shape, but they're not, yeah. you know, the they're not horse jockeys. As the business has become a bigger business, obviously they've, they've taken on all types of personal care to keep them in better shape to, to go longer distances. Absolutely. I mean, Jensen Button, who raced Formula One, who was the 2009 Formula One champion, in the offseason, he'd go like, do two or three triathlons. Wow. He was coming out to Malibu every year and running the triathlon during the off season or during the summer break. Yeah. I got you. Uh, back to a business question. Yeah. What do you wish you knew when you first started that you know now? Two years in, three years in. Fighting through COVID, fighting through some mental stuff, fighting through... Better some... really coming down with like a true balance. And, and what do you mean by that? Because everybody has a different version. You have a different version, but a balance of like morning routine routine when you get to the office because you know sometimes i get to the office and i see something so i do that you know but also suffering from adhd always growing up you know i get that squirrel mode where it's like okay i'm working on this and i see this but coming in with a focus okay this morning i need to dedicate 30 minutes to this and then after that i need to dedicate an hour to this you know going in with a plan having having a little bit more of an organizational balance have okay. you ever seen Benjamin Franklin's uh, his 
daily log of like no. how no. detailed his time was. No. His time management was incredible. And obviously the guy did, you know, wrote oh, yeah. for numerous newspapers, was political, was was writing law and, you know, uh, inventing and doing all types of stuff. But uh, he, uh, down to 15 minute entries, as detailed as like 15 minutes to put things in their places in his office or this and that, 10 minutes to write for the Philadelphia Inquirer, 12 minutes to That's do crazy. this. How long did it take to fill out the journal? I mean, <laughs> you know, things moved a little bit slower, obviously, but but he was that detailed with his time, and obviously, you but know, apparently, so I mean, Bill Gates was the same way. So as um, one well, of my Steve Jobs, yeah, was very dedicated, and even um, Warren Buffett has talked about his time, time entry and time management yeah. and stuff like that. And I've, even now, that's like probably one of the biggest things I actually have to work on going forward to this year is better time management me as well i mean obviously you're balancing family and life and it's 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 a lot and yeah you got a newborn so that kind of throws a monkey wrench into schedule <laughs> yeah just knowing the you know what i have in front of me for the first couple hours of your day is is a is a big uh a big step and not only achieving a task but you know to start your day off right and heading forward but it helps with those those long-term goals too i definitely haven't been the best at uh planning or scheduling anything yeah. you know it's kind of been just my ideas coming into reality type of focus but yeah I, I agree with you there it's it's scheduling is a very key point oh well, I mean and not only that but then you have to also think about yourself too you know you have to have that selfish point because if you're doing all your time around you know the business your wife your kids and you're not leaving that time for you then that's the time where, you know, I used to be able to get on the bike and go for bike rides and spend yeah. an hour and a half and do this, or, you know, just taking the dog for a walk or, you know, getting out and doing something to clear my head. Um, which yeah, you is, gotta have that me time just to unwind. Yeah. The motorcycle is always fun or going to the, the motorcycle is always great. The desert's great. Going to the racetrack's great, you yeah. know, well doing those activities forces you to turn off your mind which a lot of people don't understand why we like doing that risk yeah. i like to ride the bike i have a couple harleys and i haven't been riding lately but uh it does shut my brain off for a second because obviously you have to be hyper focused yep. you have to be paying attention any moment anything can happen somebody can pull out in front of you but my phone is obsolete you got and your music? i'm just i I don't really like to listen to it, to be honest. I'd rather prefer it not. But I do have the helmet set up where I can. Here and there, it just yeah. depends. I mean, I tried a few times just putting, like, the AirPods in or wearing the headphones. Yeah, or I got the, the Bluetooth. I got the Cardo. And yeah. Yeah, but this is before it's Cardo. <laughs> yeah, before Cardo, I'd just literally run my wired apples. Yeah. But to be honest, I hated it. I it, like it better when I, I'm, like, I'm feeling the machine. Yep. And I'm feeling and hearing all the sounds. Exactly. I'm just locked in, you know? Not only that, plus it makes me a little bit more hyper aware of what's actually happening behind me as well. Yeah. Because with motorcycles, if you have mirrors on your bike, you know, they're only, what, four inches wide by three yeah. inches tall. Dude, I put on those new stealth mirrors. They're maybe this big. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you can't really see what's going on behind you, but you could definitely hear, you know, a car coming up faster, yeah. screeching brakes. Yeah, you you know. want to be able to feel everything. Exactly. It's meditative to me, for sure. It really is. And... I feel like obviously it's a good workout as well throwing a bike around but like when I get off the bike I feel like almost refreshed in the sense of like okay it, it was a moment where my brain was focused on absolutely nothing else but like tunnel vision of riding in the machine oh like going for rides it. up to like Newcomb's Ranch or the rock store yeah you know those are so just being able to be aware of what's around you, what's coming up next, you know, especially going through the canyons, you don't really know. So you got to be that hyper-focused, yeah. um, getting on highway one, just driving up the coast. There's certain spots where you just get that tunnel vision where you just like have the ocean view yeah. to your left. You have your Canyon mountain view to your right. You just get up there and you just appreciate it's what's around peaceful. you. Yeah. It is. All right. So we got balance. We got, you know, finding your piece of separating it probably the biggest one too is money management <laughs> it's tough yeah people you know, you when know, you have when you're making all the decisions for uh the financial decisions for a company you have your finance you have your company financial decisions you have your family financial decisions you have um you know you want your kids to be able to participate in extracurricular activities and be social um i think there's been a point where during covid kids have become so antisocial. oh yeah that 
it's hard. You know, you see these kids and just like walk by you and you're like, is that kid in a trance? So a lot of them would like set them back a couple, uh, you know, a full five years of development stage, especially if they were in that like preschool going into kindergarten stage where they lost that whole two and a half years. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the, you know, the prime sponge development, like learn how to, you know, interact oh, yeah. with others and, and manners and, and, you know, timing and things of that nature. It's a terrible, yeah. Yeah, because my son was first grade and was doing Zoom learning for his first class. Yeah, which is like, Oy. so which almost is, a, is, is almost a, like a yeah. sentence in itself. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, I mean, luckily, my wife was in a position where she could be home. You know, helping helping him, being there with him, doing this. Uh, but even, it's still not the same. It's not the same, but we'd also make it a point where we'd have time to go to the park with his friends or getting him out social so that way he's still not just becoming secluded inside but even you know it's crazy now because being eight he has his ipad he loves playing game you know roblox minecraft but yet his interaction with his friends most of the time is through facetime playing the same game together yeah. Where, you know, where we're growing up and we had like the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, PlayStation. Yeah, but people had to come over. People yeah. had to come over. We had to go to other friends' yeah, houses. Yeah. Everybody knew we'd go to this friend's house all the time. And exactly. Oh, you there? Cool. All right, I'll be over there. You know, for us, show up and leave. Getting and, getting our dude, bikes out and going yeah. for bike rides. Call and, back then. You'd no, see you the bikes out up. front. Yeah, all right, okay, there. Cool. <laughs> yeah, knocking on the doors. Because yeah. I think it was high school for me when like, we actually started getting pagers so we could be like, you know, leaving messages yeah. like, okay, this code was so-and-so's house. This code was someone else's house. Yeah. But before then it was just like, okay, I'm going Bye, mom. I'm going to so-and-so's house. I'll see you later. All right. See bye. Have fun. That's it. I'm out. Now, we'll you're, back. now you're like, where are you really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's but a, like my son asked my wife, he's like, when do I get to start walking home from school by myself? Yeah. And she's like, you're not, not until you're, you know, 12, 13 years old or, you know, a little bit older. And I'm thinking back, like, when I was eight years old, we were riding our bikes to school. We were walking. We are going hiking up in the woods. We were just out. We were just out having fun. You couldn't, you couldn't get a hold of us. You just couldn't get a hold of us. Yeah. Eventually, and you would go looking. Yeah. Or uh, eventually, for, we would turn up. For, us, call it was, neighbor for like, us, it was literally the streetlights. As soon as yeah. the streetlights come on, you're yeah, home for deal. dinner. That's what it is, yeah. That was your indicator. That was our indicator. Yeah, definitely an adjustment period for this generation. Um, obviously, the digital, you know, takeover has happened, and things are going in that. I mean, I even you can't seclude them from it either, because no. I think that it definitely will set them back, um, set them back developmentally as what their future is going to be like, because it's all based around. Yeah, I mean, I find it great that he's he's been able to like use my wife's phone, my phone, access the internet for you know since he was like three years old. Yeah. And you can't lie to them anymore either. No, no they, they got, got they got Google. <laughs> they have it, you know what I mean? They, go, they can go find out anything that the cereal just tell them. Oh well, yeah, so we have. See, that's why I don't activate Siri. Yeah, we have the you know we have Alexa inside the uh, that's you why, know inside that's the why house. I have Alexa. Yeah. Well, because like for some reason he's like loves Weird Al. So when he goes to bed at night, he has to listen to Weird Al. That's awesome. So it's I like Weird Al too. It's like can't Alexa. Wait to see the film. Alexa, play Weird Al. And so he listens to Weird Al and all night long. And but that's the thing. It's like, hey Alexa, what's this? Alexa, what's this? Alexa, what's this? You know, we used to have to go actually look it up in the dictionary. And this, who knows if you were getting the right answer? Either. Exactly. You know, what if the you know who so knows what, what if the source is anymore? I mean, they've been rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. You know. <laughs> wait, what happens when they ask Alexa or Siri where do babies come from? <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I haven't. We'll have to go ask her. We'll do that afterwards. There you go. Yeah, it's the storks. <laughs> Ask but, your parents. So yeah, so money management is going to be the big big one this year as well as you know just time management in general. Anything but, you want to leave the audience with? Um, I think no matter. Podcast is called Truth Hurts, so maybe some some uh, some some hard truths. <sighs> Racing is not cheap. no matter which way you want to look at it whether you're driving a two thousand dollar pos race car that you could get on the street or a million dollar race car it is not cheap no matter which way you slice it no it is it is a definitely privileged it's uh, let me add in one more comment for you do people actually make money racing no there's this wonderful saying that you know how you make a fortune in racing no start with the larger one yeah 
<laughs> there's probably maybe a handful. It's not a ten, profi- it's not a profitable business at professional levels, even though. Even at professional levels, there is a play where you can make money. Um, there's probably ten or twenty drivers in the whole U.S. that actually make money driving, mm-hmm. where you it's know not a very big they're number. collecting a check. No, there's probably a hundred thousand people that race in the U.S. alone, yeah. if not more. So if you want to race, it's a passion thing. It's it's, it's a passion thing, and I mean, for me, racing is not only a passion thing, but it's a happiness thing. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, someone that has suffered with depression since I was a little kid, a teenager, I should say, getting out on the track, getting on the motorcycle, getting in a buggy, whatever it is, it changes the chemicals inside my body where it allows me to actually feel what I need to feel. It's not a doctor, you know, prescribing me pills or saying you need to go do this or you need to go do that. It's for me raising my adrenaline that actually calms me down. Whether the same way. So skydiving, scuba diving, going fast, racing. Getting a rush, being alive. Getting that rush, being alive, that actually calms me down. Yeah, I get it. Um, where doctors in the past would be like, okay, I need you to take this medication. I take this medication, I feel like I'm dead. Yeah. There's one medication, I forget what it was, but I had I was on it when I was like 15, 16, 17 years old. And I think I had three seizures when I tried to stop taking it. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Just because it yeah, wouldn't. It's not a, yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah. So, but trying to, you know, finding these outside adrenaline parts where it's, you know, getting on my bicycle, maybe going up to the mountain, go snowboarding, finding somebody to go skydiving, scuba diving, um, you know, going to track days and people just letting you drive their car or getting them on track or whatever. That's just kind of builds me around it. So that's where I have that passion also for my store. Find your passion. Racing is not cheap. And you're not going to make If you want to build it, they will come. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, thank you for coming on. No, today. absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate um, you coming. Absolutely. I, got, I, I like the flow of the conversation. It was really nice, and we just kind of just free flowed it. Yeah. Yep. Well, cheers. Best of thank luck you. in the safety world. And appreciate uh, it. Where do we find you? Uh, you can Where find me. Find uh, you can find me. My personal Instagram is Chris Emery LA uh, at Racer Safety Source, and then www.racersafetysource.com www.racersafetysource.com I'll put it in the description below guys so you can click it like follow subscribe thanks we appreciate your absolutely time, anytime thanks sir thank you